Good morning. I am not Pastor Andrew. Uh, I am Andy Manwiller, and uh, Pastor Andrew had the opportunity to get some vacation time, some well-deserved, well-earned vacation time, celebrating a uh, 24th wedding anniversary, I believe, so good job. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so he asked if I'd uh, fill the pulpit for him, and uh, thankful for that opportunity for those who do or do not know me. Uh, my name is Andy Manwiller. Uh, we've been coming to this church since 2009. Uh, my wife, Angela, and I have been married for 21 years, eight months, and four days. Uh, we'll, we'll try and catch them eventually. Um, God has given us four children. Uh, Caleb, who is 16, he was uh, the drummer up here today. Uh, Ethan over here, who's 12. And then we thought we were done, and God gave us two more. So we have uh, Nathan, who is four in the back, and Joanna, who is two over here. So that's just a little bit about who I am, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you some things that God has really challenged me with and, and, and helping me grow in, and uh, just looking forward to sharing that and working together uh, to sharpen and encourage one another. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dig into the Word. God, what a privilege to be able to come before your throne. I am the worst of sinners. And you are a holy, righteous God. And yet, I can come before your throne. Thank you that Jesus took that for me, took the sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. Because you, God the just, are satisfied to look on him to punish my sin. He took it on the cross, and then you can look at me pardoned, forgiven, justified. God, help me to know that truth more and more. I pray that each and every one of us would know that truth more and more, and if anyone doesn't know that truth, that even today might be that day of salvation. And Lord, may we build everything we think, say, and do about being fathers, husbands, men, people. May we build everything on that relationship with Jesus. Take this time and use it, Lord. We have uh, given up other things to come here. Uh, thank you for the time to sing and praise you. We look forward to singing with all nations, tribes, and tongues in heaven someday and worshiping you. Thank you for that small taste of it here this morning as we join our voices together. And thank you for the opportunity now to dig into your word. What freedom we have. Thank you for this freedom to look at what your word says and share it freely without uh, fear of, of persecution. And Lord, help us to take advantage of that, to read your word, to, to sit under the teaching of your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning would be sweet and refreshing, challenging, and encouraging that we would go and be the church in our homes, our, our jobs, our play, uh, everything else we do, that we would be salt and light, sharing this good news with others. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I love sports, uh, so you have to forgive me if I use a lot of sports illustrations, but this one I think will translate, we'll see. Uh, once upon a time, I was a pretty decent baseball player, but my career started in Little League and I was, I was off to a decent start, uh, had a few hits, was doing all right. And then we were playing this team who had the, the fastest pitcher in the league, right? So everybody's afraid of him, like, oh, man, he throws so fast, it's so hard. And I got up to bat, and he drilled me in the elbow. And I was crying, and coach took me out of the game, and it hurt. And the rest of that baseball season, I never took the bat off my shoulder. I either walked or struck out. I was afraid of the pain. <laughs> I was afraid of what had happened. And I think so, so often in our culture, we as men 
do the same things. We've been hurt, or sometimes maybe it's the voices, the voices of the other team, uh, the voices of maybe even our own teammates groaning because, oh, he's up, he's going to strike out again, right? Um, or, or even the voices uh, that we allow ourselves. We need to, to talk to ourselves, not listen to ourselves, but the voices when we listen to ourselves instead of letting God's word and counseling ourselves like that song, right? Uh, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. <laughs> we listen to ourselves. And so when it comes to being a, a father, don't take the bat off our shoulders. When it comes to being a husband, I'm not going to take the bat off my shoulders. Being a godly man and being in church, I'm here, but I'm not going to take the bat off my shoulders. We need to get the bat off our shoulders and take a swing. Sometimes we're going to strike out Sometimes we're going to get a hit. Once in a while, we might even hit a home run. But we need to step up and do what God has called us to do. And this morning, I want us to look at what has God called us to do. Uh, as, as men, mainly, and we'll, talk, we'll give some encouragement to everyone else as well, how to, how to support and encourage as well. But um, as men, what has God called us to do? Let me set it up a little different way, too. If I were to ask you, if, I were to, if, if me and I was to talk with any one of you men, and we say, hey, who are you? What's the first thing? How do we normally, as men, identify ourselves? What's the first thing we say? Job. It's our job. <laughs> I am a trainer. <laughs> That's my job. You're going to tell me what you do for your job. That's mainly how we identify ourselves. Hopefully, if we were to expand that a little bit, <laughs> hopefully, on your list of things that you're excited to share with me about would be, uh, like, like I shared this morning, I have been married to Angela for 21 years, eight months, and four days. Hopefully, you're excited to share about your marriage, about your children, uh, <clears throat> that you are a godly man. Hopefully, number one, and it might not be yet, but hopefully we can work towards this. Hopefully, number one is going to be, I am a child of the King. I stand before God forgiven because Jesus paid the price for me. If you don't know that today, please pursue that. That's number one. Without that, none of the rest of this makes any sense and is not going not gonna, to not gonna work. I can't do this. You can't do this. But God can through me because Jesus paid for my sin. He can do everything else. Hopefully, we identify ourselves as believers in Jesus. But hopefully, being a godly man, being a godly husband, being a godly father is high on your list and is important to you and is a growing piece of your identity, who you are. So what has God called us to do? And those are the three areas I want us to look at. Being a godly father. We're going to start there. It's Father's Day. So we'll start being a godly father, then being a godly husband, then being just a godly man, because all males in here are, uh, are called to be godly men. What does that look like? Uh, and then again, we'll, we'll look at Jesus, and then we will also look at how everyone else can support and encourage uh, the men in your lives, whatever role that may be. So what does, it's Father's Day, what does the world think about children? What is the world's perspective on children? <laughs> when I go to work, uh, I, I, I'm not in full-time ministry. I once was, and I'll refer to that, but I once was, but I'm not right now. And I go out into the world, and when you go out in the world, talk to your neighbors, talk to your coworkers. what is the, watch TV, movies, whatever, what's the prevailing view of children? Oh, they're such a pain. Oh, the terrible twos. Oh, wait till they're teenagers, right? And they're just rebellious, and they don't listen, and and, and, and being a parent is just, oh, they're, they're just so frustrating. Uh, they are inconvenient and just on and on and on. Is that what the Bible says? Is that God's view of children? I hope and pray that it's a resounding no. And we need to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, Romans 12. Uh, we need to not let the world shape our thinking about children and, and parenting and marriage 
We need to let the Scripture, let the Word shape what we think about children. And let's start by looking, what does the Bible say about children? Uh, So Psalm 127, verse 1 is where we're going to start. Psalm 127, the whole psalm, not just verse 1. Psalm 127. You open your Bible to the middle, and that's probably going to be Psalms. And uh, Psalm 127, verse 1. We're going to read the whole psalm just because it's so cool. I love the rustling of pages. I do. I love electronic. I use my phone, my Bible on my phone a lot, but there's just something about the rustling of the pages, so thank you for that. It's good. All right, Psalm 127.1. I delayed so everybody can get there. <laughs> Here we go. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, uh, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. What, according to this passage, is God's view of children? They are a blessing. They are a gift. They are a joy. They are a privilege. They are an opportunity. They are arrows that we are going to send out uh, into the world. Uh, they are arrows. We will, we will shoot. That's the word I was looking for. We will shoot out into the world. Uh, children are this gift from God. And so what is your view? I hope and pray that our view is shaped by Scripture. I hope and pray that this morning, just a little bit more, we can allow our thinking to be shaped by Scripture. One hour a week isn't going to overcome how many other hours things. So let's be careful of our diet. Don't, I'm not saying don't go put other things in, but what is our primary diet? What are we filling our hearts and minds with? What is God's view? So children are a blessing, a heritage, an opportunity. Um, I was a a youth pastor for 13 years, and uh, when I started out as a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for about five and a half years before Angela and I had our first child. And so as I was reading scripture and I was reading books, uh, um, uh, I have a lot of resources that this comes from, by the way. So this is, there's nothing new under the sun, and that's very true of me. I have plagiarized all of this. It's, it's God started it. So uh, if you want to know where it comes from, let me know. I'll share with you the resources. But I'm reading these resources, and, and, and I'm, I'm reading the resources in Scripture, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm working with their children. And so when I would go to these parents' meetings and share with them things, and they're like, yeah, just wait. Just wait till you have kids, right? And so to be honest, when, when Caleb was born... I was so excited because now I get to see if my thinking, if my way of doing things as I understand Scripture works, if it's true. It was an opportunity, and that was very strongly shaped by one key resource, and ask me what that is later. Uh, God gave me a gift in Caleb, and I get to shape and mold him and launch him out into this world. Children are an opportunity, a blessing, not a curse. They're only a curse when I'm focused on me (laughs) and what I want Um, So we need to view things appropriately. So what is my job then as a father? What does it look like? What does the Bible say about what I should do, what I should be as a father? Let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. 
We're going to look at verse 4. We're looking at some very familiar verses. You've looked at these before. If you've been, you know, in church for, you know, most of your life, these are passages you've heard before on Father's Day and different things. But I just want to review them again and, and maybe look at them with fresh eyes and challenge us and encourage us. Again, as men, this is an opportunity. Get that bat off your shoulders and take a swing. This is very important. This is what God has called us to do. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's so much in here, and, and we could, there could be series and lessons and messages on this for days, um, but we're just going to key in on a few things. An important thing here is in the context, when we, uh, several years ago, Pastor Kenoyer was preaching through the book of Ephesians, and I remember when he came to this passage, and he reminded us that this passage about fathers and what we're supposed to do is rooted in, it's grounded in Ephesians 5.18, which says, And do not get drunk with wine, for it, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. All of these instructions that Paul is going through here in Ephesians 5, talking about husbands and, and wives, we're going to look at that passage here in a little bit, about fathers, it's all grounded in the Spirit. If I am not filled with the Spirit, I am going to fail with my children, with my wife. I am going to fail. I need Jesus. Remember Psalm 127 started with, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless God is working at me and using me to build my family, unless God is at work in my family, all the things that I do or don't do are going to fail. I need Jesus. I need to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, and so in that context of being filled with the Spirit, therefore I can do this. Fathers, dads, you can do this. You can be successful. Being a father is awesome. It's a ton of fun. I am loving it. Uh, I've only got a 16-year-old, uh, but I've watched many of you, and I've learned from many of you. Uh, and, and, and I'm so glad that there is hope, and there can be success. And, and it's not a formula, right? Because I also know, and I've watched many of you as well, who have done your best and have had children walk away from the Lord. It's not a guarantee of success. They need to make their own decisions. They are unique individuals. But I am called as a father to do my best and, and to, to create, we'll talk about it here, create this atmosphere where God can work in my children's hearts and lives. So we need to, to do our part. Uh, what does this look like? What can we do through the power of the Spirit? I think a lot of what we have in the stereotypical view of children and fathers, how are fathers portrayed in, in movies, in media? Lazy, good for nothing, stupid, right? That's how the media portrays fathers. Is that God's view? No. God calls us to be strong men who lead by serving and giving. Uh, we, when, we, when we say that our children, it bothers me so much when, when, when parents speak self-fulfilling prophecies to their children, calling them stupid and saying you're no good and just you're setting them up for failure. We can't do that. That's, that's provoking our children to anger. A lot of the stereotypical view is because we are provoking our children to anger. We are focused on ourselves and what we want. We expect them to disobey. We expect them to have bad attitudes. The terrible twos is a problem because I'm a parent who has things I want, and as they are growing in their independence, I've got issues that I need to work through. The teenage years that are such a problem are because I have issues that I need to work through. <laughs> we need to not be conformed to the world's view of children, but what does God say? And I need to not provoke my children to anger. I need to love them and serve them by bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
I don't know a lot of Greek. I took a few lessons of Greek. You know, Pastor Andrew's coming at us with like the aorist tense and all those things. It's really good. It's really cool. Uh, that's not me, so you're not going to get that. But I do know from some of the resources that I've read and studied, one of the words here, uh, when it talks about the discipline and instruction of the Lord, uh, is, is paideia, which has this view of an atmosphere, an atmosphere. I need to create in my home an atmosphere that shows the, the discipline, the instruction of the Lord. What is your home like? What can I learn about you by coming into your home, by watching you with your children? Not like putting your best foot forward because you know I'm coming over, but if I could be a fly on your wall <laughs> for a week, what would I learn about the atmosphere of your home? What would you learn about the atmosphere of my home? God calls me as a father. God calls you as a father to create an atmosphere where we are raising up our children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. What does that look like? I want to jump to Deuteronomy. I'm going to give you guys a workout. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. We're not going to dig into this, um, but I want you to hear it and think about it in this context. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Ephesians 6 says to create an atmosphere. What does that atmosphere look like? Deuteronomy 6 gives us that, that picture. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is an atmosphere. When you get up in the morning, when you come home from work, when you sit down and eat meals together, when you're traveling to sports and when you're traveling to other activities, in your bedtime routine, every opportunity we have with our children, we should take, be taking advantage of to point them to Jesus. But it starts with, did you see how that passage started there? Looking at the end of uh, verse 6. Well, first, verse 4 and 5. You, I, need to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. It starts with me and my relationship with God. And verse 6 says, and these words I command you today shall be on your heart. That's me. Not my children yet. <laughs> they got to be on my heart. And then I shall teach them diligently. Do I know Jesus? And, and this isn't just for fathers. This is for all men. This is for all people. Am I loving God first? Do I know and understand what God has done for me on the cross and that that is greater than anything else that I, politically or sports or anything like that, Jesus is greater. What is most important to me? Am I growing in having these things deep on my heart so that I can be now, for me, a godly husband, father, man, or for some of you, just be a godly man now, and maybe someday a husband and father. Is my love for God first? And as I do that, then that can and should spill out in every aspect of our lives. Again, just reading through that and put it in modern terms, right? Again, when we're sitting down to meals, when we're getting up, when we're traveling somewhere, are we taking advantage of those times? What do you talk about? When we talk in the foyer out here, or we talk in this, in this auditorium later, and you, as you talk as you're going to, to your cars, what are you talking about? 
Sports aren't bad to talk about. I love sports, you know, and uh, soccer is, we could keep going. Anyway, but are you talking about those and going deeper? Do you talk about what you've been reading in God's Word, what God's been teaching you, what some of your challenges are? Uh, we need to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, God has given us multiple resources. Uh, if you remember, Pastor Knoyer used to say there's three things that God has given us in our, to grow in our sanctification. Uh, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and anybody? The people of God. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. We have the Word and what privilege we have in our day, this day and age that we have copies of it, and multiple copies, and how many versions can I access on my phone? And I have the Word. Uh, I have the Spirit living inside of me. The Spirit inside of me is even better than having Jesus with me. That's what Jesus said himself. Wow, I got the Spirit inside of me. But then I also have you, and you have me. And we need to partner together in this as we create this atmosphere. I need you to help me. We are to support each other. Um, dads, we had... Uh, a couple weeks, several weeks ago, we had that seniors thing over there uh, where the seniors were sharing and, and like we had this like launching, the celebration of our seniors. I'm thinking, I got two years and Caleb's going to be there. I'm excited. So uh, I, I, I want help. I want, uh, so dads of Caleb's friends who are going to graduate in two years, let's start meeting together, right? And, and let's, let's launch these boys. This is going to be awesome, right? And, and the friends of Ethan, dads, let's meet together. Look around you. Look who's here. Find someone who's ahead of you, who has children, who is married, who has older children than you, someone who's ahead of you, and meet with them. Ask them. Learn from them. Find someone who's with you and, and ask them and meet with them and help each other out. Share, hey, I'm struggling with this. What do you do when the kids do this? What do you do when, when, when your wife does that? Help each other out, not complaining, not griping, but really wanting to grow and apply Scripture. Find someone who's behind you and say, hey, can I share with you what I've learned? I'm not there yet, but I've come this far. Share with each other. We need each other. Uh, we, can get the, we can take that bat off our shoulders and work with each other. We have coaches. Uh, we have peers. Uh, we have people coming behind us that we can train. We can do this, and we need each other. As we are growing in our own walk with God and as we are sharing it with our children, use the resources God has given us. Uh, we need we need each other. Jesus has to be number one, and we can sharpen and support each other in that. One more verse. Uh, we'll go Malachi. I'm just going to touch on it really quick, and then we're going to move forward. But Malachi uh, chapter 4, verse 6, talks about um, turning. It uh, talks about John the Baptist was going to come before Jesus, and he was going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. So dads, I ask you, what is your heart's position toward your children? And when we get to the end, we're going to pray. I'm going to challenge all of us to pray and talk to God about where we're at with God, with each other. And would you pray that God would help you turn your heart toward your children? Our world tells us your children are a pain, and someday, hopefully, they'll move out. Oh, they're going to move back in, blah, blah, blah. It does not have to be that way. It should not be that way. Pray, God, turn my heart toward my children. They are a gift from you. Even if you're longer in the process, even if they're grown and out, we can start fresh. We can start again. Uh, get that bat off your shoulder. You may have struck out a whole bunch of times, but get your bat off the shoulder and let's swing and let's see what we can do to build that relationship. Turn our hearts to our children. One other concept I want to talk about in the, in the area of fathers and then we'll go through some of the others. Um, Proverbs 22.6 is a very familiar verse when it comes to parenting, probably the most popular verse behind, maybe next to Ephesians 6. 
says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. One of the resources I read once upon a time, I don't know when it was, but it was fascinating. They said that it's actually, people who know Hebrew can tell me I'm wrong or right, but it's actually written in a, as a negative command. In other words, if you train up a child in the way they should go, the way they want to go, the way they feel like going, then even when they're old, they're not going to depart from that. We see this so often, don't we? Children in grocery stores or whatever, and children learn that once they reach a certain pitch, mom or dad's going to give in. We've trained our children that they can get what they want just by getting to a certain pitch or use some magic words. And they have trained us <laughs> to respond to them when they get to that pitch. It needs to be flipped. We need to be more active in the positive sense of that passage and train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We need to uh, train them up in the way they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from that. It takes effort. I need to teach. I need to train. I need to tell my children things a hundred times. You know what? I had to be told a hundred times myself, so I need to be patient with them, right? I need to teach and train and be faithful and consistent. Another verse along those lines is Ephesians 2.10. After it talks about, by grace you have been saved through faith. It talks about Ephesians 2.10, but you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, designed for good works that he's planned in advance for, for, uh, for us to do. God is at work. We are his masterpiece. But God uses tools to create that masterpiece, and I get to be a tool in the life of my son. I look at him because he's right in the front row, right? Uh, I get to be a tool in his life and in his life and in the two lives back there and my wife. I get to be a part of what God is doing to create something great. This is an awesome opportunity. Many of you have been on projects at work. Again, if I were to talk to you about what you do for a living, you'd probably tell me, ah, I do this, and I was on some projects that saved the company millions of dollars and things like that. You are on a project way greater than that. It's called family. It's called parenting. And I am on a project that is launching four lives out into this world to impact this world for Christ. I, I hope and pray our house is an outpost for God's kingdom over there in Chesapeake Farms. And, and in a couple years, I hope to launch one of my arrows out and be a new, a new outpost for God's kingdom. And that's so exciting uh, to, to create that atmosphere. Um, and, and, and being that... Um, and be a part of what God is doing in shaping and molding these young lives. Uh, I also recognize, again, that not, it's not a guarantee of success, right? Train up a child the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs are generally true sayings. There are many of you, again, uh, looking out, there are people, I know, godly people who have uh, raised children and they've walked away from the Lord. The fact is, each of us have to choose. And, and myself, uh, those of you who know my story, I was a youth pastor for 13 years, and I resigned. I was a youth pastor here. I resigned my, my role because uh, of sin and things I was struggling with. And, and, and one of the verses or the concepts that came to mind was Jeremiah, where the, the clay, God told Jeremiah to go to the potter, and the clay got marred in his hand. And so he had to reshape it into something else. I was marred in God's hand, and he has reshaped me into something else. And it's amazing privilege to be here again. So God is so good. Uh, and our children, sometimes they get marred. It's not the fault of the potter. It's the clay, and God is at work in the clay. But I am a part of that, and, and, and we are shaping. Are we, are, this is such an opportunity. This is such an opportunity. I want to challenge and encourage us as fathers to view our children as God sees them and as he's given, to, given them to us as a, an opportunity to launch them, not only in this life, uh, that's where I was, uh, sending the, uh, Caleb out as an outpost, launching four new outposts into this world, but into eternity. 
I am investing in something that will be forever. People and God's word are the only things in this room that are going to last forever. People and God's word are the only things sitting in this room right now that are going to last forever. I am investing in those. This is what God has called us to. Men, let's get the bat off our shoulders and swing. Uh, You're going to strike out. Family devotions. It's going to be a mess. (laughs) Uh, Your children are going to be wanting their water bottles and reading books and sitting upside down. And uh, it's going to be a mess. And you're going to mess up and it's going to stop. You struck out. Get your bat off your shoulder and try again. (laughs) It's worth it. Stick with it. Uh, We need to keep trying. We need to create an atmosphere. Talk with our children about spiritual things. Um, we, We should not ever have the talk with our children about sex. We should have the talk should start when they're about two and end when we die. It needs to be an ongoing conversation. Fathers, you are the most important input in their lives as to what sex is and is not. Please, we need to take advantage of this. They're going to hear so many different things. And if you are first to tell them, <laughs> they're going to listen to you. And if you are honest and, and looking at the Bible, you are going to have such a huge, huge impact. Men, get the bat off your shoulders and let's swing and let's see what God does through us. This is what God has called us to do as fathers, and it's an awesome journey. Uh, again, I'm only 16 years into it. Some of you are further, but this is what God has called us to do. May we pursue this uh, throughout our whole lives. Parenting never ends, they tell me, right? Those of you with grown children can tell me parenting never ends. It's just different. (laughs) I look forward to that transition someday. But let's be the fathers that God has called us to be. All right. Point number one. Nine minutes left. Good job. All right. (laughs) Go back to Ephesians. I don't know anybody else who's ever done that. Uh, (laughs) Ephesians. Sorry. Shots fired. Ephesians 5, can we put the 9 o'clock service on the website instead of the 11? Sorry. All right. Ephesians 5, we're going to look at fathers, uh, at husbands. God, God has called us to be, to be fathers, and that's an awesome privilege. God has also called us to be husbands. For those of us who are husbands, maybe some of you who are not, maybe someday will, maybe not, hopefully you will, uh, but uh, whatever God's calling is in your life. But what does it look like to be a godly husband? Ephesians 5, again, we're not going to go through this whole passage There's so much in here, but I just want to get some of the key parts of it and consider that together. Ephesians 5, 25, we're just going to read through 27 for now. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might, excuse me, he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. We are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church, giving, sacrificing. Parenting is giving up our interests. I'd rather come home and sit and read my book for a little bit, meaning take a short nap, but my wife needs me to get the little kids out from under her feet so she can make the dinner and do the things, and and I I give up what I want to serve, and it's worth it. The children are a blast. The same with my wife. I need to give myself up and serve her. What are her needs? How can I serve her? And marriage is one of those like 100%, 100% things. As I seek her needs 100%, and she seeks my needs 100%, it's like really cool. But when I fail that, I'm messing up that equation. Husbands, we need to love our wives and give ourselves up for them wash in the, by the washing of water with the word. What is your atmosphere like 
with your wife. Men, we need to get the bat off our shoulders with our wives spiritually. One of the challenges with that is uh, most of you are like me. You married up. Um, Your wives are smarter than you. Uh, Your wife might be more spiritually mature than you. Your Your wife might know the word better than you. It's okay. God has still called us to lead and to do this. Get the bat off your shoulder and pray with your wife. Dear, can, can we pray tonight? It doesn't have to be anything magical. It doesn't have to be like flowery speech and speaking in these and thous, but just talking to God and praying for your wife. Let her hear you pray. But get, the, get your bat off your shoulder and, and pray with your wife. Uh, share what you've been reading. Ask what she's been reading. Uh, encourage her to read things that might be helpful. Ask her, what kind of things should I be reading? What kind of things should I be exploring? Be vulnerable. It's that relationship uh, that can sharpen one another. God has given us this relationship. Husbands, we need to lead in this. Get the bat off our shoulders and take a swing at making our relationship with our wife grounded and founded on the word, loving our wives as Christ loved the church. So much more in that, but uh, we need to endure and uh, maybe we've been hurt. Maybe there's voices screaming at us. Again, what, what is the world's view of marriage? It's horrible. The world does not view marriage well at all. Um, we need to not be conformed by the thinking of this world, and we need to have God's view of marriage. Kids are awesome. Marriage is awesome. This is God's design, and this is a good thing. Not everyone is a husband or a father, But all of us in here who are male uh, are are men, and God has instructions for all of us. We are to be godly men. What does it look like? We're going to go to Luke 9, 23 through 26. I'm just going to touch on this briefly. This is true for all of us, but I want to call men to lead in this. Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels." Being a godly man, a godly person, is about denying ourselves. It's about denying ourselves when he says, take up your cross. So often, this, this saying gets misused in our culture. Oh, it's just my cross to bear, which means it's just something I have to put up with. That is not what the disciples heard Jesus say. Take up my cross would mean take up your electric chair. Take, take up your lethal injection. Take up the most hideous form of public Uh, execution that you can think of and die to yourself. I need to die to myself. This is not about just something inconvenient. This is about me. I am my own worst enemy. I am the worst sinner I know because I know my heart. I know my thoughts. I know my past. And yet Jesus paid for all that. (laughs) But I'm the worst sinner I know. And so I need to die to myself and I need to serve my children. I need to serve my wife. I need to serve you. I need to maybe give up a little bit of sleep to come help Maranatha Movers. There's a lot of people moving these days. Opportunities to do so. 
I need to come early to church and pray. There's a number of prayer groups that were going on here this morning. It was really cool. Uh, the teens had one. There was another one back over here. There's, there's prayer teams, prayer groups that are meeting at different places in different times. Are we willing to give up a little bit of, of sleep, of comfort, to go and pursue God, to pursue others, to serve others? Take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. Again, Jesus is the example. And he says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes. The focus is Jesus. What is my priority? Where is, where is God and, and spiritual things and, and me having a right biblical perspective on this world around me compared to everything else in this world? I need to be growing and, and not being ashamed of God's words, but be focused on him and what he says. So Jesus is the focus. How did Jesus do that? How is Jesus our example? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Every passage we looked at focused on Jesus and Jesus being our example and, uh, you know, love our wives as Christ loved the church. Bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. What did Jesus do? How did he do this? He endured the cross. Let's see how he did that. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I said Romans. I meant Hebrews. Thank you. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's the Hebrews 11, all the Bible heroes that you've read about, you learned about from Sunday school days. That's the Bible heroes who are sitting amongst us now, those who have gone before. We have such a great cloud of witnesses who have stood up and have been good examples for us. We have this great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us, let us also Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Easter was just a few months ago, and just thinking about, you know, Good Friday service and, and, and uh, and, and the, the meal and how that pointed to Jesus and what he did, what Jesus suffered for you and I on the cross. Jesus endured a lot. And he did it not just because he was supposed to or anything yet, but for the joy that was set before them, the joy of knowing that you and I could sit here as redeemed brothers and sisters in Christ and sing God's praises and look into his word and then go and be the church. Jesus endured that for the joy of this moment, for the joy of one day us being in heaven with him of going and being with him forever, who loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus gave himself up for the joy, the right view of what this world was about. Men, husbands, fathers, can I challenge us to get the right biblical view of being a godly man, of being a godly husband, of being a godly father, and let's, for the joy set before of those, of those awesome opportunities and responsibilities, run this race with endurance. It's hard. It's long. It's a marathon, not a sprint, but it's made up of those everyday moments as we create the atmosphere. Men, let us get the bat off our shoulders and swing and make an effort to pursue God with all we are because Jesus is our example. He did it for us, uh, and let's follow his example. One last thing. Everybody else, who I haven't stomped on your toes yet, uh, the, the, the women, the young ladies, uh, the, the wives, our world does not make this easy for men. Again, media and everything is screaming at men uh, how terrible and, and toxic masculinity, and there are times when men abuse things, and it's horrible. 
But not everything that's masculine is evil. God calls us to strength and to serve in that. And the world makes it hard for us as men to do what God has called us to do. And sometimes others in the church, in our homes, make it hard for us to do that as well. We need cheerleaders. God has called men to step up and to lead, and it's easy to find all the things that men are doing wrong. We men need cheerleaders. There's an example uh, from one of my resources I listen to a lot, and they share this story. Uh, They speak about marriage. They write about marriage. Really good resource. Ask me later. Uh, But she asked him to come along to a women's conference and share from his perspective a little bit, and he talked about the fact that from, from childhood, all we hear is, yay, good job, you're talking so well, you're reading so well, you walk so well, you're, you're good at sports, good job. And then we go to college or high school, oh, you're so smart, and you do all these things. And then, and then one day, this, this young lady comes along, and oh, you're the best, and I'm going to marry you, and I'm gonna, I, I, you're the best, I'm going to follow you forever. And then you get married, and all we hear is, boo. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but that flip, switch flips. We need your support. I am a fragile man. I got hit in the arm and I didn't swing the bat. I hear some negative words and I'm not going to try anymore. Can't get it right. We need your support. As we swing that bat and we take a a swing at family devotions or at trying to pray with you, women, we need you to support us and encourage us. Uh, Show us the things we need to work on. Do it lovingly and with support and encouragement. Uh, God calls, calls the, the, the marriage relationship. He refers to wives as a helpmeet. Uh, we are one, and there is this team effort. Uh, and women, you have such power you don't even understand. Use it for good. Build us up. Encourage us. Strengthen us. And what does that look like? We're in Hebrews chapter 12. Flip back just a page or so, or scroll down just a little bit, depending on which way you are there. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Again, very familiar passages. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, the days are getting worse and worse. We need to do this more and more. We need to meet in this setting, in smaller settings. We need to meet and encourage one another to stir one another up towards love and good works point out the good. With my children, it's very easy to say, stop doing this and stop doing that. Some dinner times, that's all. I, don't. Stop. Stop it. You st- I told him to stop. You stop. But how often do I say, hey, that was really good. Thank you for doing that. I have worked hard at trying to find the good and recognize that. What you, what you recognize is what you're going to get more of. Uh, and so we need to do that with each other. Stir one another up. Hey, thanks for stopping by and helping lift that tent. I don't know what was going on out there, but there were a handful of you guys out there putting it. That was awesome. Serving one another. Young men, this is you. Step up. Do those things, right? Young women, encourage when you see it good. But call out the good that you see in our children, in our wives, wives, in us. Uh, Find something. You married him, so there's got to be something good. (laughs) I stole that from somebody. I didn't make that up. There's got to be something good. Go back to it. Find it encourage it. Stir it up. We need encouragement. One other verse we're going to look at, and then we're going to wrap it up. Ephesians 4. Back in Ephesians. We spent a lot of time there. Ephesians 4, 29. In some of the counseling conferences and such that we've been to, there's the four rules of communication, and this is one of them. Um, so much you can dig into. But Ephesians 4, 29. 
says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. How much unwholesome talk should come out of our mouths? None. None. Soapbox I could get into. If we're not supposed to have any of it come out of our mouths, how much, should we be, how much of it should we be putting into our minds? Just a straight thought. Be careful. Not saying don't listen to other stuff, but be careful. What are we putting into our minds? No corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but that which is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it can minister grace. Sometimes we need to hear hard truths. Uh, with my children, there's a debate about parenting and should we spank our children, should we not? And some people are like, well, I never want to use my hand to, to spank my child. Well, you know, my hand will give my child what they need. Sometimes my child needs some discipline. Sometimes my child needs a hug. Sometimes my child needs a high five. Give what is needed in the moment. That's what this verse is talking about. Give what is needed in the moment. Minister grace. Use your words. Build us up. When you see men doing what God has called us to do, build that up. Encourage that and encourage more. Speak well of men, husbands, fathers, in front of others, and see what happens. See what happens when men uh, get encouraged. They're like, whoa, you really think that? Okay, cool. See what happens. And, and see what God can do through a church, uh, a family, uh, uh, even one person who allows God to make them into what he wants them to be. So as we wrap this up, we're going to close in prayer. Men, swing the bat. Get the bat off your shoulders. Young men, prepare yourselves. You've got to become this kind of person now. How do you treat your mom? How you treat your mom is how you're going to treat your wife someday. You better work on that. Just saying. <laughs> but men, get the bat off our shoulders and let's swing. What are you going to do? What is one area you need to work on with your wife, with your children, with serving in the church? What is it that you need to do? Maybe you need to set up a meeting with some other man who's in the same space as you, who's further ahead than you, that you want to share some things with. Let's have lots of discipleship and sharpening and fellowship meetings come out of this. Let's build up each other and learn from one another. Wives and others, support. Cheer us on. Make it easy. Follow. Pick us up when we fall. And in the end, reap the benefits. And everyone, let's fulfill the roles that God has called us to. Let's not let the world shape our views on things, on people, on roles, on opportunities. Cheer and support everybody in their roles. The world needs to see a community committed to God's word and a people living that out and supporting each other in doing so. And finally, it has to be built on the foundation of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus? Without Jesus, none of the rest of this is going to work. It's going to fall apart. I can't do this. You can't do this. But God can through me. God can through you. Let's start there. Let's pray. God, this world is awesome. Family is really cool. But God, sometimes it's hard, and it's easy sometimes to give up. And we see so many things, and we hear so many voices. It's so easy to, to just take the easy route and leave the bat on our shoulders and strike out or walk. But God, we need your help to swing to make an effort. God, may we do so in the strength of our relationship with you, being filled with the Spirit. Give us words that speak life, that build one another up. God, use us for your glory. May, may we show the world that it does not have to be that way, that family is a good thing, that being a godly man, a godly husband, a godly father is a good 
thing. Thank you for this time in your word. As we go and we spend time with our fathers or we call or text, God, may we speak life to our fathers. May we thank them for their efforts, their investment. God, may this be a time of refreshing uh, and enjoyment of each other as family, and then may we go and reflect that to the world around us. As we go to work tomorrow, as we do our activities, we spend time as family, God, may you uh, help us to be the church in our homes and everywhere we go and come together on Sundays to, to worship and fellowship and be refreshed to go and do it again. Shape us, Lord, into the people and the church that you would have us to be. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming.